This episode is brought to you by Too Faced Cosmetics and Better Than Sex Mascara. The name literally says it all. This mascara is that good. There is a formula for anyone and everyone available in original, waterproof, and chocolate that thickens, lengthens, and curls to give you all the drama and volume. Or try the new Naturally Better Than Sex. It has a 98% naturally derived formula. Shop Too Faced Better Than Sex Mascara at Sephora today. You are listening to AVFC Extra, a no-nonsense look at the club we all love. Brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast. Hello and welcome to ABFC Extra, another dose of Aston Villa into your podcast feed directly from the team at Claret and Blue. I'm James Rushton and today I'm joined by Tony Daly, none other than Tony Daly, Aston Villa superstar himself, um, because he's not just one of the most nicest people in football, but he's one of the most fittest people in football. Yeah, throughout his career, he's uh, shown shown his fitness capabilities uh, on and off the pitch as he, in his time as a uh, sports scientist and fitness coach at Wolves, not just playing football throughout his career, but helping people, footballers get to the best of their abilities in terms of fitness. Fitness. So myself, Dan Rowlandson and Tony Daly will be talking all things fitness. Of course, I don't think me and Dan have got much input on that wall, to be fair. It's going to be all, all Tony Daly. So without any further ado and any more fuss, here's Tony Daly speaking about what it means to be fit and ready for football. Can you just explain what it is that you do at the moment with, with Seven Daily and what, what that brand is and what your involvement in that is? Yes, it's, it's a fitness brand. Um, been involved in now for the past two or three years. This last uh, year or so that we've actually uh, uh, pushed this now. Uh, we provide uh, online training and uh, training one-to-one uh, to the masses. Uh, we also uh, uh, provide uh, a range of supplement brands um, that are for everybody, you know, ranging from uh, vitamin C uh, to uh, protein and recovery shakes. Do you want to get back into coaching at all, Tony? Getting back into a role at a football club? Are you happy kind of doing your own thing and uh, kind of charting your own path? Yeah, um, I've been involved in football um, a very long time uh, as a fitness coach. Uh, I was uh, 14, 13, 14 years. And I won't lie, I was, uh, when I uh, left Wolves, it would have been three years ago now, I was desperate to get back into football. And for whatever reason, um, you know, with the... Uh, you, you know, it was, it was the wrong place, the wrong time. Uh, yeah. Numerous circumstances, got and about three or four offers at a time, it just never worked out. Um, it never happened. And at this time, um, I, you know, I set up a business at a particular time uh, uh, with uh, Dave Byner, ex pole player. We went into uh, training footballers, uh, which was uh, uh, really successful, something I really enjoyed uh, doing that one to one side, having control. And I haven't looked back as well. You know, I've had no uh, burning desire to go back in football. Do not get me wrong, you know, if someone came calling, I'd be more than interested because, you know, it's a big part of my life and something I really enjoy. Training elite players, making that one or two percent uh, difference and having that environment, especially from a football environment, you know, it's, it's in your blood. But what I'll tell you now, um, working with Joe Public, you know, and still working with some um, uh, footballers as well, I, I get the best of both worlds at present moment. It's something I'm really, really enjoying. Uh, obviously, you were at Wolves, weren't you? I think it was a performance and fitness coach was your title then. How, how different was that in terms of dealing with footballers and dealing with people? It, it, you know, Joe Public, like you just said, are they uh, prima donnas, these footballers? 
are absolutely nuts. <laughs> working with people who want to uh, strive to be the best. So the challenging thing is the other way around, where uh, I'm working with the general public uh, mostly now, and, and you're cajoling them, to, you know, to be that. The players they want to be they want to be the best. You know, they come with you for extra training. They have a buzz and a, and a desire uh, to be the best. And uh, for me. Uh, the hard part is you're making only one or two percent with those players in terms of their uh, strength, speed, agility. You know, that could be, and that one or two percent could be a massive difference. Whereas uh, uh, working uh, uh, with, with who I'm working with now, uh, the general public, as, as you put it, you know, can you can make 10, 20, 30, 40 percent difference in what they're doing? With, you know, with, with, with you know eating correctly, uh, exercising correctly. But what I've tried to do is keep the same principles I had uh, working. Uh, uh, with, with the league footballers and um, in terms of the uh, tr- uh, training regi- regimes and fitting it into that and it seems to work quite well and I've got uh, very good success with it so you know I'm really really pleased how that's going. Nice. I think one one thing you'd be pleased um, in, in, for your career is you, you said on a podcast you wanted to be the fittest person at the club that you was at no, no matter if it was Villa or Wolves you wanted to be the fittest guy at the club right so mm. how difficult is getting to that fitness I guess that starts at pre-season right how difficult is a pre-season Season routine. Pre-season routine for football players is, is one of the most it's hard. It's, it's kind of changed now. We, we, uh, uh, we've gone through COVID now, pre-COVID, but in any sense, it's the hardest uh, thing a uh, player has to go through. Uh, players notoriously hate pre-season because of the workload that's there. You know, some. I mean, it's now uh, the, the train early morning, uh, um, in the afternoon, and sometimes into the uh, you know late afternoon as well, uh, three times a week for the next six weeks. It, it's tough. But I mean, my pre-seasons were, were, were brutal, especially under Graham Taylor. Um, you know, it was. I love pre-season. I was. I was just crazy. I love the fact of. Uh, the, the running, strength work, uh, that you know, you know, something I, I really, really crave for. And it was, it was difficult. You know, the other way, it's difficult for me to have that rest during that. You know, I felt on this fitness, which isn't the case now. If I didn't do anything during the pre-season, so I work all the way through, which can be detrimental because they actually do need to work. But um, you, you know, pre-season for players is really, really, really tough. But this is this is the you know the groundwork. This is a foundation for the whole of the rest of the season. And if you don't get that right, if you miss training or you don't get the right fitness, you're playing catch up for the rest of the season. You've already mentioned fitness making at a 1% to 2% difference in football squads. Um, it's com- almost become a little bit of a cliche that you know the minimum requirement should be that you run harder than the other team. But you know, being fitter is a genuine advantage, isn't it? I, th- I think it is. And, and what happened before... Uh, this was that the teams who come up, your Sheffield United, your Aston Villas, you know, teams like that who who are going to struggle against your, your Liverpool, your Man Cities, your Man United, the top teams. They they are technically gifted. They're going to keep the ball 60, 70% of the game, especially playing away from home. You have to be physically fit to chase the ball, win the ball and everything else like that. But what's happened now is that those teams now we've just mentioned, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, not only are uh, technically fantastic, but also super fit as well. So they have that advantage as well. If you see them as well, when they lose possession, possession of the ball, they're, you know, they're back on it straight away. They don't they're not give you a breather. And it's, it, it takes a lot of effort and hard work. And we look at, we look at the league side now, you know, 
they, they haven't, but trust me, they haven't got the best players. They've got, they've got a really good team, a really good system, the way they play, and they've got a good team shape and everything else. But what gets them through is their, their, their high press, the way they press, they're consistent, not just uh, defensive and uh, up front as well. Offensive, offensive, they're fantastic as well. And that needs hard training, that needs conditioning. The body has to be really resilient to that. The reason why Leeds probably for a couple of seasons before that struggled to go up and the way they were playing the season before that is because the amount of games they're playing. I do hmm. believe that they'll do well in this league because of the less amount of games they have to play. Not so much keen with fans like the Tuesdays after Tuesday. You know, they'll be able to, to keep that intensity going. Coming off the back of that, I wanted to speak about this idea of 100% fitness, is full fitness. Like, Tony, what is full fitness? What does it feel like? be fully fit and you know how long can you stay at full fitness I'll tell you something now I don't think there's any player uh, I can talk about myself and then talk about other players as well looking at um, you know the GPS data that we have as well Um, you're probably 100% fit um, probably I would say a couple of weeks in the season the first mention you want to peak for the first game of the season even then you're not because it can take you two or three games to get in that then you put your body through a lot of stress and strain. You know, you play Saturday, you know, it's a massive game, you recover, sometimes you re regain. So you're never 100%. But what you're going to be doing is once you recover correctly, um, your nutrition's good, you get yourself up to as much as possible, but then you always carry injuries, you've got knocks, you've got bruises and everything else, you're never 100%. You might feel, yeah, you'll feel great today and everything else, but very, very rarely that you are. But when you do have that peak, when you actually do feel, you know, you're, 90, you're in that zone where you're 95% plus, it is a fantastic feeling. You know, you can, you feel you can run all day. And the thing now as well is, this isn't just guesswork now, you know, um, all teams will have GPS systems, all players are, are monitored individually, they'll have all their ranges have to go. It's not all about battering players, we go back to pre-season, it's not about uh, battering players in terms of, you know, you've got to run, run, run. Uh, because I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, if you're doing a particular run and uh, you know that centre-half, for instance, don't have to cover the same distance as your, your attacking full-backs or your wide midfield players, for instance. So uh, in any uh, form of running, they would be doing uh, not as many runs and not in the same intensities or that they want to cover the same high distance run as the white uh, players do because they have to be conditioned for that position. So, you know, it's, it's taken as individual as that as well. They've been looking at their football stats as well. So, um, you know, for the current season, they know particular uh, uh, player runs this particular amount of uh, distances, uh, covers uh, so many sprints and they'll be looking at that individual player so we know that he's speaking his stats are down there's a reason it's not fitting us he's carrying an injury so they'll go into it as much as that as well it's time to rest the player as well there's so many different ways of doing that as well but also key uh, key is, is recovery um, most players now once you get into the, the likes of um, November, December it's all about just uh, playing and recovering the most important, important 
other people are the ones who are the squad players because they'll be just, you know, they'll be involved or come on 10 minutes here and there. And it's difficult as well because the manager might think, oh, you know, don't train him too hard because we might play him on Saturday game Saturday and it's possibly something you should work after. Well, don't train too hard because we're going to need him on the Wednesday. And that can go on for two, three, four weeks before, you know, that player starts to get deconditioned. And then you bring that player into the game now and, and all of a sudden you're wondering why well, he, hasn't, he hasn't played for four weeks, should be running around like anything, and he picks up an injury or he's, or he's, he's not fit enough, that is the reason why. That, that That's eradicated now because no matter what, the players have to re- reach certain uh, parameters, certain criteria, uh, criteria to reach. So um, if they don't reach, uh, if they don't play a particular game, they know they have to complete certain amount of high speed running, certain amount of distance covered, certain number of sprints certain uh, uh, metabolic loads that they look at as well to keep them in tip-top form even if they know that players can be playing on the Wednesday for instance or Tuesday following the game on Saturday and you had about say you had about 30 minutes in the game and that kids are playing tip-top form they're the most important players the ones who are playing week in week out they look after themselves you know if they've had a good pre-season they're, they're, they're playing the football once twice a week to take care of their fitness It's really interesting because I, we've got a list of questions that we we're going to ask you anyway and my next one on here was about how you know squads are massive aren't they in football these days you've got 25 plus players mm-hmm. if someone is is on the bench and fleet, fleeting in and out of games like kind of how Hanfordville is a perfect example of someone who will have two or three games and then be dropped a bit and then come back in again how do you even get around that as an issue of, of keeping fit is it just down to the individual to have to put the work in in the gym and stuff like that no, absolutely not. The, 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 the fitness coach or co- fitness coaches uh, will be on to these players uh, straight away. They will be uh, given designated runs uh, to have to do so. They'll, they'll probably have a training session, and in that training session, if they don't reach, reach the right parameters, because they'll, they'll instantly tell them how what distances they've covered, as we explained before, the sprints, high speed running, um, accelerations, decelerations. The, um, the fitness coach will take them aside and actually make them do. Uh, uh, additional if needed converse other ways they've done too much you will tell them that's enough to do or you know that's, um, uh, that's, that, that, that they've done enough but it's important that they, those players are kept fit, kept fit for those particular reasons coming into games and what you'll see now is that they, those players will remain in top condition not just that as well they're not just um, condition wise but also strength wise as well which is absolutely critical what happens if some of these players kind of don't enjoy that gym work I guess it is hard not everyone is going to enjoy the conditioning work that goes into being a footballer but they kind of understand the importance of it it's like kind of your job spec isn't it to be fit for your matches and fit for training so do they all understand the importance of it I guess everyone's different though Tony. the players have to buy into uh, you know a what the, the manager how the manager wants to play and it's no use player going well I don't want to do that but you're not going to fit in the manager's team because he wants you winning up and down like this he wants you to be able to, to get your accelerated decelerations all those conditioning work all that team work you have to do it and if you don't you're not going to be able to sort of tell the players you're not going to be in the team and some love it like self players others it's hard work but they do understand it and they work to do it and they know they need to do it and you know like anything else there's people players have strength there's players who just enjoy the football side some players enjoy the strength work and not so great in terms of the, the the technical side and everything else but uh, in, in general you know um, they will get that work done so I think that's a lot harder than with the situation we've just been through being through a lockdown where the football season was kind of cut off 
and then resumed after a period. So how would have these footballers have kept that fit during lockdown? Very difficult. Um, they would have been given, um, I think it's been noticed as well, they've been given programmes to take away. But the difficulty with this was that they didn't know they were, are they going to come back when we started to go back all the way back to uh, March, end of March when it was, are they going to come back in two weeks, what are we going to be doing? So there was no, what you have to do when you have um, a regime in terms of football, you have a, a build-up to when you're going to be playing, so the test increases or decreases depending on uh, where you are. As a footballer, when you're coming back now during the lockdown, you know what you was doing. So the, the sessions were general. We just kept them ticking over um, in, in terms of that now. And that's that's good and well. But you've got to, the only way players can get fit, fit to play football is to be doing sports-specific football uh, sessions. And that's including with the ball. When I talk about conditioning, you know, gone are the days where, you know, you're running 10-mile distances uh, through forests and uphills and everything like that. They, they really don't exist now. The majority of the fitness conditioning work is done with the ball. And, of course, there's going to be specific, specific sessions where in terms of when you want to get your high speed running and where you are going to specific um, high-intensity running and sprints. But in, in the main, it's done in a football environment. And, of course, the players, when they weren't, were not able to do that. So my biggest fear was uh, that, yes, the players have kept to maintain the fitness because they would do, they'd be given specific programs, was the fact that, you know, they had two weeks, really, to come back and start and start post-lockdown. And my biggest fear was players picking up injuries. That was, that was the one, and it was natural as well. So I think, you know, everything was done regarding that. The five substitutes, for instance, was, 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 was fantastic for me. It was an outstanding thing to do. You saw the, the beginning of the games. The, the games were like practice games as well. Yes, atmosphere didn't help. Of course, didn't. But um, I, I had the opportunity actually watching the games live. I was doing commentary for uh, Villa at that particular time and watching the game at Villa Park. And the first couple of games were literally like, like a pre-season game. You know, there was no intensity uh, to the games. But as the season progressed, the uh, post-lockdown season progressed uh, the player became fitter stronger and you know and he got more uh, into where they were at that particular season but yes it's been very very difficult and even now it was as well because the way the season had been spaced out you know they finished there they're back again but they didn't play many um, games in many pre-season games at that particular time because where players, players really do get their fitness so for me um, the way the season has gone as well um, I, I think it's been uh, really good the way the condition especially looking at the Premier League as well the condition the players have done I think uh, looking at Marco Baston Villa the, 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 I remember seeing a, a pre-season game the last pre-season game uh, uh, they played against Man United I think it was yeah. and they were looking lean uh, Sharp. I was so impressed. It didn't surprise me how the start of the season put on it. So I think you, you know the the fitness coaches there, the conditioning coaches, uh, the PT have done a fantastic job uh, there uh, for them to do that. Just because it's really, you know the difficulty was getting them peaking ready for the uh, ready for the start of the season. And I thought uh, looking at Alcobaston Villa, I think they were outstanding and, and they looked they looked lean and hungry. With the way that football came back with Project Restart and, and the short and pre-season, do you think that I, I, from the outside? So looking at it, I think there's two ways that goes. Either players didn't really lose any fitness over the summer because they carried on playing so many games, so that shortened pre-season means that they're already ready to go for this season, or that they didn't have a sufficient break, and that means that they might be more susceptible to injuries now. Which side do you think it is more likely to fall on this season? I, I think it's going to fall on the fact that they've, they've come back. Uh, 
come back and I mean there's been goals galore and I, and I think they've come back looking pretty good in terms of uh, watching the games and quality of games as well there's been a lot of goals we scored but I just, I just think that's just down to that defending isn't it really good attacking to be quite honest with you I don't think it's down to anything uh, fitness wise so that shorter break has probably helped the players there but what you're going to find um, near the end of the season is, is if, if um, but I'm sure that the squads are big enough now and you can manage those, those squads it's going to be a bit of a, uh, a lull in terms of uh, burnouts I think players are going to be start to feel a bit more tired than they were because they didn't have that you know, they've really played continuously if you look at it really as well with those, with those shorter breaks they've had so that, that's my only bit of uh, fear really as well and you know it's going to be obviously if you look at Jack, Jack Grealish you want him to play in Villa Harry Kane want to play in the Tottenham because they're, they're, they're focal points they're the pinnacle of, uh, of both teams and if they're losing them near the end of the season through injury you know so it's all about management of those players and I'm sure they will be managed throughout the season that's the importance of, of those squads there's no way so, you know, there's no way you've got freaks like Ronaldo and Messi who can play a full season as well and have done that for the last five, six years and they're playing every single day but you know in general the players need to be managed really well in terms of their training loads Something that I've always been interested in as obviously not as a footballer and it isn't how, what is it like to score a goal or anything like that it's the medical process I don't know whether I'm a bit of a nerd for even even wondering about this but obviously you've been on both sides as a player and then as a fitness coach as well what actually goes into a footballer's medical is it, is it difficult is it hard work it, it depends really I say it's hard work I mean it's not hard work in the sense of like you, you, you're doing something where you're doing a pre-season but on, uh, on a sports science side I mean obviously the, the players have the, the usual uh, scans and uh, certain exercises I've got to do to make sure that, it, that there's no uh, pre-existing injuries and stuff like that uh, for a player myself as well you know we, we, for instance see uh, how they are in terms of their fitness levels they'll have a VO2 max test or some other test similar to that they also have strength tests as well uh, balance and agility tests as well to make sure that everything's in, in working order so they are very very comprehensive we look at as well um we get data. Uh, I'll get data from um, the the sports science department from that previous club as well in terms of the amount of games they play, the training loads, and if possible, as well, if we can get access to their the, their their GPS loads as well in terms of the intensity that they've been playing as well. But it, it is very very comprehensive in terms of the stuff they have to do. And um, you know, don't get me wrong as well. So long as the player, I mean, you might be concerned where. Um, for instance, Gareth Bale, for instance, um, I know he's carrying a knock and everything else, but he hasn't played for, you know, for, for what, was it, was it four, five, six months in terms of any real success um, with Real Madrid. And I think he's got an injury, but the big factor for him now is they can't just throw him into games because of the intensity of the Premier League as well. He has to be a little factor. So he's going through, yes, he might be carrying a little knock as well, but he's going through an intensive training period. So he can make sure he can have the rigors of, um, of the rest of the season. So he'll be, he, you know, you'll see Gareth Bay, you know, and should probably as a sub. Then you'll play 75 minutes and then, you know, might take another game, play a full game and he might be rested to get him through that particular season as well because it's important that, um, that they stay fit. So his medical would have probably showed for him as well. Yes, he probably didn't carry enough, but also as well his conditioning levels as well. It's one of the reasons why um, you're not going to probably see Gareth Bay belt 
to probably the end of October. Obviously, I know that you don't don't drink or anything like that, but you played in a, in a time where football got more serious, for want of a better word. The kind of I've put down that the, the pre and post Arsene Wenger that he came in yeah. and almost revolutionised the sports nutrition and and how footballs footballers were managed in terms of their fitness. What was that change like playing in the the later eighties, early nineties, and then and then onwards? Yeah, I think it's very difficult because um, at that particular time, it's just, you know, it wasn't easy for me. I was a young player at that particular time, and you just go with a young player. You just you just go with it, you know. Okay, um, it, you know, oh, we kind of steak and chips for pre-match kind of thing. We're going to be easy pasta and uh, you know, uh, uh, chicken, whatever, whatever it was at that, that particular time that we had. But. Um, so you, you just run with it as a player. You've been you told it's good for you, but it's the old school players as well. I've always done this, you know. I've always gone for a drink on a Tuesday, on a you know, a blast out on a Tuesday kind of thing like that. And what happened is, when everyone was doing it, uh, you know, in the early eighties, uh, pre Arsene Wenger, that particular time, everyone was on even keel. Arsene Wenger coming in and revolutionised the way people trained, uh, the way uh, nutrition was important, how hydration. Keeping keeping fit and and doing things right, getting the right right amount of recovery, right amount of sleep, and all of a sudden Arsenal just kind of whoosh like this, and all of a sudden people are going, hang on a minute, and I'm talking that's only one two percent difference, but all that's enough for them to make a massive difference in terms of when you're talking elite athletes to us non-athletes anymore as well. You know that's not that's not really a great change, but in in the, in the league in the league world it is. So. People had to match that, so clubs started to go hang on a minute. What, what's the difference? What's he been doing? So it's really important that 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 that, that, the, the, that the, the clubs that the players understood that it was difficult. Some clubs didn't because they, most of the teams were both made up with uh, old heads, old pros who do anything to you know to try and avoid that. To be quite honest with you, see them sitting with my own eyes, and those are the ones that fell uh, by the wayside with you know the Eastern clubs or whatever. I did get in the team. Then those those did that that um, embraced it, uh, felt the benefits. Um, you know, fitness became uh, an important factor in football because it is. There are many a player with fantastic talent, and you know, but can't get around the field. If you've got somebody, you know, there's one who rings around you in midfield, and you're just you, you you haven't got the ability or the agility to get around, you'll get found out. No matter what ability you've got, technically as well. So. The beauty of the better players are the ones with that agility, that that technical ability, and can get around the football field as well. They used to talk about those; those are the better players, and that's what's happened now to football. Football um, now is, is is a game of athletes, great athletes. Whereas before now, you, you know, um, to, to some extent, you know, you've got a team, you've got a team where, you know, technically some players aren't the best, but they're great athletes and can make a great living at the game because of that, you know, because of their uh, uh, athletic prowess. But the best ones are the ones, you know, who've got that and, um, you know, have got great uh, typical ability as well. I mean, I, I look at, um, sorry, I look at Ali Watkins, for instance, as well, and everyone's talking about this, this, 
you're going to reckless day, you know, spend a lot of money then. But I saw someone who's a natural goal scorer, everyone talks about scores goals, yes, but I, saw, I see an athlete as well. You see his movement, the way he runs, um, his, his physical presence as well, he's really strong, fit lad. You know, he's got all the attributes of Calvin Lewin as well, same as well. He's of Everton, he's, he's a fantastic athlete as well. So he's added to the fact he can score goals as well he's a, with his uh, physical abilities. I think you've played across a number of generations as football's really... I mean, at a time when football went kind of mad in terms of the conditioning and what was expected from players. As you said, athletes kind of emerged into the sport and now everyone, you'd assume everyone at the highest level is somewhat of a, an elite athlete. So how much has football changed during your career in terms of a conditioning approach, in terms of how serious players took that the other side of it? When I started playing football, uh, the gym, the only time you were in the gym was uh, four weeks before the end of the season because you know you're going to be on the beach somewhere and you want to look at your best. <laughs> and that was it. That was the only time you really entered the gym and then realised the importance of uh, uh, doing your, your pre-activation work, uh, your gym work as well to make you not only uh, fit and strong as well but uh, more resilient as a football player because a manager doesn't want a player who's, who, who plays on a Saturday he's been absolutely outstanding and come uh, Tuesday or Wednesday is playing he's kind of average because he's tired and plays next uh, the following Saturday and gets injured because he has his fitness levels because he's not strong enough to maintain or, or fit enough to maintain those levels a manager prefer a player who you know who, who, who obviously can do that he's got great ability can do it consistently but he'd rather take someone who knows who's gonna, who, who can get through three games and you, you know give him a a 7 out of 10 each week then someone will give you a 9 out of 10 and don't see in the next two games so I think that the importance of that as you said I've, you know I've gone through the ranges as well with that now football uh, fitness at that time was uh, uh, frowned upon as a football player as well we hated pre-season well I didn't personally but that era hated pre-season and quite rightly so because the stuff that was being done at that time was quite archaic if you look at it now but let me tell you something now um, there's no there's no player uh, fitter uh, during my time as a youngster compared to now but what I would say to you there's more athletes I, I couldn't find a better fitter player than Gordon Cowens now you know when he was playing that plays in the Premier League at this present moment I mean he was an absolute athlete in terms of his fitness levels were, were phenomenal but what you, what you find now is that there's more of them whereas the old days the centre-halves of, of uh, my generation were renowned to be the ones or the goalkeepers were renowned to the ones who were up at the back you know breathe heavily you can't move and everything else but if you see if you see most players now if you see goalkeepers now for instance you know the lean strong centre-halves a, a lot of donuses as well in terms of the their, their stature yeah they're, they're, they're fantastic athletes as well so you know I think that's changed as well in terms of the amount of players that, that in the squad who are there You mentioned the the archaic methods there of the old pre-season days I heard a story recently of um, Brian Clough having, having players run through nettles and stuff at Nigel <laughs> Forest uh, is there any, any weird memories you can think of when you look back now and think why did we have to do that? Yeah I, I always remember uh, Graham Taylor's uh, first uh, pre-season and we you know um, at that time uh, Villa just got relegated and there was thing about player power at the time and it all new disciplinarian but at that time Graham Taylor was not used on marathons and everything was, one, was even fitter than, fitter than most of us to be quite honest with one and he took us uh, through um, what was it Sutton Park uh, first day of pre-season and just gone up just set off just started running 
on Glasgow he's got this warm-up here, kind of jogging, then speed increase, and then like four to five minutes later, still going, and I'm talking like people like being, being left trailing, and, and going through, still bombing ahead, running around and everything else, he's doing his homework and everything else, and eventually about 50 minutes we come back, so we can see uh, the, the trailer uh, where the water was and everything else, and as he finished there and everything else, and about 200 yards before everyone sprinting to go in, Grand Taylor turns, deviates left and goes off. And we've gone for another, we've gone for this most horrendous one. So he stopped us, we had to run up this hill. Most I would say would have been a 400 meter hill that just went like that, I think about eight times. That would be the hardest pre season I have ever had in my entire life. So, I mean, but he's saying was archaic at the time. As probably one of the fittest I've ever been. My point with that is, yes, we're fit, but my point is now with that is that times have changed. You know, that doesn't exist anymore. As I said before, that got us fit, but other means and ways of doing this now with less and lot less uh, chance of injury. You know, there were players where we dropping like uh, flies at that particular time in terms of like lost a lot of people through injury. Now with the monitoring, the way, the way they're monitored, um, the way each individual person has their set levels to get. You, you, you know, you don't. What you don't, you're not, you're not telling the uh, less conditioned players in the team that they have to keep up with the quickest person. They have their own uh, metrics to get in that terms and to get to get them fit. You know, so they're they're really training against themselves to get themselves fit, not others. We'll move on to match day then, away from pre-season. Um, what does a match day look like for a footballer? How much of it is planned in terms of you need to get this much sleep, you need to eat these things, this is what the warm-up looks like? What do you what do you remember of that? People talk about match day minus three, match day minus two, match day minus one. That's how much planning goes in in terms of the amount of training, the amount of intensity, what food, what supplements are going to be uh, having. Whereas if we, if we talk about uh, this, this day now, this day now of uh, uh, elite athletes, elite footballers, They'll, they'll have you know their supplements set out ready for the match day you, you've got to be taking this this is the right uh, thing for you in terms of training the right intensity that we've sorted out with the coaching that we've been planning the week what the training session is going to be the intensity of the training session what each uh, which what team's going to do what the rest of the squad members what they're going to do what each individual probably needs to do in terms of their own metrics um, again we talk about food as food as well you know they um, diets now that are specific to them so in in that canteen I've called it a restaurant, it's a restaurant now in terms of the foods that the, 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 the players have they'll, they'll be given specific diets as well in terms of what and what, what, what they can't eat and don't get me wrong it's a variety of food it's not boring food as well I mean I'm, I'm going to uh, go to part last season uh, sorry uh, the trainer at Budmore here um, uh, uh, there last year and the food there is, is, is first class and have a good variety, but the, 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 it's set out specifically to you know the needs of that particular that, that particular day. Whether it's a couple of days for training, where they need um, more um, carb-based foods, or if it's gone, you know, it's late, it's early on a week in terms of recovery, where it's more protein-based as well. A lot goes into it um, in terms of that. And, you know, and 24 hours before a game as well, before match day as well. Obviously, the training is is virtually nothing in terms of intensity. You know, um, yes, they will still train at a decent intensity, especially in a game, but it's short, sharp, 
and, and it'll be done. And of course, we're doing set pieces as well uh, regarding that. But again, diet and nutrition and, and recovery is key. You know, that most teams now as well, home away, we stay in a hotel as well. So, you know, the players keep together in terms of that now so as, 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 a, as a squad as well to make sure that they, they get the right sleep because externally away from that, um, you know, if you go back home and get recovery and you've just got a, a newborn or a young child, a child's not well or whatever and you don't get much sleep or whatever as well, that's going to affect the way you play as well. So, you know, that's why one of the reasons why players are taken away to hotels. Yes, to control what they eat as well and to, and to make sure that they're, they're, they're there at that particular time but also as well that, that they're getting the right amount of sleep and eating correctly. So we've spoken a lot at length on this podcast actually and it's really interesting about the conditioning the fitness and what goes into kind of the i wouldn't say the unseen side of the player's career but it's most one of the most important parts if you're not fit you're not going to play and thus you're not going to be at football in front of everyone and be able to perform in front of everyone but i guess uh, one thing that we're speaking a lot more about now is the mental health tony and you've talked a lot about suffering depression as a footballer so what were you going through at kind of at your one of your worst moments as a footballer mentally? What what was the challenges you faced, and how did you, you were you able to deal with that at the time? Yeah, at the, at the time, um, I would have been. I mean, I, I, mean, I remember a, a couple of occasions. I think one was uh, when I was at Villa at one particular time, and um, I think I was going through a bad time in terms of uh, playing. You know, in terms of the, the pressures of playing, you know, you're not playing well, fans are going on your back, the team's not doing well at a particular time. And I think it was actually, uh, I would say, I would, I would say, uh, you know, um, in my mid 20s at that particular time, uh, early 20s at that particular time. And and it was a taboo to even talk about because of footballers, you, you fit, strong, healthy, macho, you know, you, you earn great money, you, you should. What boys have you got? You know, I mean, you've got there perform, and you know, you get out the adulation of the crowd. It's a fantastic thing. But that isn't the case. You know, like in everyone else, is that you, you don't know what's going behind closed doors in terms of that. For me, at that particular time, it was that the, the pressure of, of, of performing. You know, um, uh, at that particular time, and um, at that time, we did have sports psychologists. But at that time, sport that was a big taboo. Oh, you've seen a shrink kind of thing. You're, you're weak if you have to see that. And I always remember that um, um, we were seeing a, I was seeing a, a, a sports psychologist at that time as well, uh, once or twice a week. Was asking for that, but it was all hush hush. Nobody talked about it, and it wasn't until I think till. Uh, left clubs at the same time. I didn't even know that the likes of uh, other players aren't named because I'm fair. There's a couple of other players who actually um, seen them at the same time as, as, as I was as well. I didn't have a clue. But that's how it was hush hush it was. And it was, I'm thinking now it's not, it should be in place. You'd be able to actually talk to other players about it. And if, it was, if I had that opportunity to talk to players at that time, then perhaps, you know, um, you know things would be a lot better. My other occasion was at uh, Wolves at the time. I was uh, at the time the record signing, um, and before I kicked the ball in earnest, you know, I, I picked a crucial injury. I was out for a year, tried to get back again, and picked up another injury. That went virtually another, another full season of that. And don't care what he wants for football, that all, all I wanted to do was play football. And let me something now, if you're sitting, if you're in the gym and you're on a bike and you cycle and you look out and you see the players training, the players, you know, on a football field and all you want to do is that, it's, it's tough. I've been, I've been wanting to be a footballer since the age of 
10 years of age and been able to, been able to do that and to, take, and to get that taken away from you it's a horrible feeling and, and at a particular time there was, you, you can see by his face oh it doesn't matter he's picking up his money you know he's, he's he always seems all the time he doesn't want to play for balls and everything at a particular time so, oh, rubbish to be quite honest with you I just want to play football full stuff and you know and that was that was a really 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 dark time for me and I mean a really bad time you know and um, I think I had to have a uh, probably uh, two three weeks off away from it as, uh, as well uh, you know uh, to get help as well in terms of that that, that was that, that was uh, so difficult and at a period of time uh, I'll tell you this that time um, a bit later on with Wolves as well uh, just just before I left Wolves as well I, I, there was given opportunity well you're going to struggle to get back with this you know you, you might consider retiring you know and, and I didn't want to have that option. I mean, I I, I, I was insured at a particular time as well, and for this easy option and done that. But for my love of the game, I wanted, I wanted to play. I didn't want to have any regrets of doing that. So I tried to uh, come back from that as well. That was my third year at Wolves, or the year before, before that. And, you know, and it, it, was, it was, don't get me wrong, I think Wolves was fantastic to me there as well. I mean, I mean to quantity, it, 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 it was a great place, but at that particular time, it was, it was really, that, that time was a really, really dark time. And players now, sorry, players now are going through, are going through that as well. You know, we, everyone talks about the amount of money they earn and everything else, but... I'll just give you Jack Grealish, for instance, probably the most recognised player in the, in the Midlands in terms of that, perhaps of the, the whole of the country now as well. But, uh, you know, it, nothing better for him. He, just, he, 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 he can't go through to down to a shop to pick up a newspaper or whatever you, you do or buy a bag of crisps and everything else because, you know, that's it. I mean, there's nothing wrong. And if you did go days, he'd love to. He'd sign next single autograph. But does that now? Just imagine he does that now, right? And he's, he's signed a hundred autographs and he turns away and misses a young kid who's eight years of age and didn't even see him. Next thing you see in his paper, greenish, ignored me, kind of thing. You get that. And it, and it happens and it would do. You, you, you can't win. Players go into social media simply as well because they can't it's access to their lives because it's, they can't be with those particular people they want you know this is their thing this is what I'm doing you know this is and that, that's why they're so popular but it's you know uh, because of that as well that they you, you get certain keyboard worries as well and make their, their life difficult it, it, it's a hard thing as well for them as well and there's nothing depressing in what they're saying as well yeah, to be to be to be uh, abused whether it's racially whether it's whatever reason or that he plays is for me bang out of order you know and, and, it, and it does it it does affect you and it can affect you as well because you know for for the you know the thousand people who say lovely things about you or whatever you know uh, you don't take one person like that and it can get you down. Sounds like the YouTube comments, Tony. That's what happens to us. You only get one <laughs> negative comment. You go, oh. yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back to being injured for a moment there. Um, obviously, you can't speak for other footballers, but someone who's so into their fitness, is it more frustrating for you when you get injured because you know almost what your body needs to recover and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be out here for so long and you understand the physical process? I, I don't know if I'm unique, Dan, with like that because I remember when I, especially when I was at uh, Wolves, uh, uh, getting and I was getting treatment 
one of the reasons I uh, become a go to sports science, science and uh, fitness was uh, simply because I wanted to understand how the body body works. So you know, if, if I picked up my knee and everything else like that, it wasn't the case. Okay, the physio go, well, yeah, you need to run a bike for. Uh, you know, 15 minutes. Uh, why do I? And it wasn't because I didn't want to do it. Like, Tell me why. I wanted to know that the, the biomechanics of it. You know, uh, why? Why is it 20 minutes? You know, uh, mm. the, the analogy, every, everything, everything you need to know about that. And and I, I, I had a thirst and a quest for it. So are you going to speak to one person? Because for me, uh, an understanding of, in, of the injury was critical and key. And uh, when I look back as well, as well now, when I became a fitness coach, Jordan had gone to Wolves and he was saying how ironic and he played 21 games, 26 games for Wolves, you know, and he's off in his injured most of the time, makes a fitness coach. Well, you know, it can be stupid really because um, I'm understanding of what place. <laughs> it makes, makes sense to me, you know. Um, I went to university, studied it, and um, also uh, on, a, on a personal level, you know, I understand players who get injured, you know, what they're going through and how it can help them. I mean, that, that was a, a key thing for me, was the fact that um, being, being a fitness coach and having played the game and having experiences that I had as well, I can put that through. So um, I had a buy-in as a fitness coach because um, I, I, I had respect, but from that respect, you have to be good at your job, and as soon as you're not good at your job, you get found out. And you know, and that's the case. It doesn't matter if you're going through the window, but it's good to have that buy-in. And you know, and I, and I think I, one of the things I, I I had with players was an understanding of players. You know, and understood, for instance, if you if you're a sports scientist who've never dealt with footballers before, and you could be the best sports scientist in the world and have you know uh, degrees and uh, yeah, coming out your head. And you look at a player's stats and you see him winning the game and go, you should be doing this, why he's not doing that kind of thing. There's other factors, there's other factors to that. And um, having played the game, I understand those factors, so I look into both those as well. I speak to players and say, okay, you know, what's yeah, you know, what's your beef? What's your, you know, what other issues are there? What's you know, what's going on? And I can have that understanding with players, and I think that's critical. It's not, it's not just, as I said, just doing the job, taking it back, and yeah, you've got to do those ones. But an understanding of uh, each individual person. I just want to end with a couple of uh, quick fire questions, if you don't mind. Um, mm. The best trainer that you've played with, and the best trainer that you would have coached. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> that is really, really tough. I would say, oh, uh, uh, played. But I say the best trainer. I would say Gordon Karens. Mm. Definitely, that comes straight as a player uh, who I've trained. There's been a fair few. Um, uh, Matt Jarvis comes straight to mind uh, from, from Wolves. I think he's a uh, pure absolute athlete. Yes, he's interested in anything else, but he's an absolute athlete. Uh, uh, Andy Keogh, these ones ring a bell in terms of fitness levels as well. Uh, Carl Henry, Wolves as well. Uh, Wolves captain at a particular time. 
athletes um, and he was one as well he was a natural athlete as well because he, he was the ones who, who would actually give me extra stick for he'd be the one in my ear all the time what are you doing for what an athlete he was you know what I mean and he, he was fantastic but this there's this far too many the beauty of uh, you know being involved in football at that particular time and I definitely say why I find it difficult is because you know I think it's it's a rarity to actually say that there wasn't really a, a bad person in terms of fit, uh, uh, fitness that people to work with at different varying levels were strong at different things at different fitness levels what we want to do here Tony is ask who is the worst trainer but I think we've been on positive <laughs> vibes all this this episode so what I wanted to, I wanted to spin that and say Maybe he was the best player on the football pitch, but not maybe the best trainer who was able to kind of turn yeah, it on. I can, yeah. No, I, I can tell you who the worst person <laughs> I have straight away as well. Uh, a player called Christian Nade. Um, he was uh, an absolute, he's only youngster. He was at Sheffield United at the time and an absolute um, beast. Adonis, a striker. You saw him playing the games. Only I think he came from France or Belgium, I think it was. Um, and they won it, found an absolute gem at that particular time. But let me tell you something now. The laziest <laughs> player I've ever seen. We talked about the, the, the bleep test, and I always remember doing the bleep and start stuff. And I think we got to something stupid like level six or seven, whatever. Not being funny. Granted, you two guys could do that level if you wasn't it? No, trust me. You've given me a lot of noise. And and he was. I just said he pulled that, and I looked at him. And it wasn't a case of Paul that, you know, your players pull that and go, I ain't doing this kind of thing, bothering. He was literally collapsed on the floor, as in tired, absolutely ridiculous. And I thought, oh my word. And in the end, we had to, um, what do you call it? We, we had to take him. That's the only player, only player ever, because we were renowned because the players used to have uh, uh, programs to do to complete back to pre-season because the levels that we wanted to get, he's the only one didn't reach level, so he's the only one for the first couple of weeks who couldn't use people football because he was staying with me doing one-to-one work. He was that on feet, and that's a rarity. That's the only experience I've ever had in terms of that now. It is a rarity. But we can't let you go without, without mentioning Jack Grealish, um, Tony. Yeah, of course, we know he's a good player, but I think I was going to ask you the question: Who um, since Villa started the season, who's who have you seen that's kind of you look at and you go, that guy's fit, that guy's on it, and I think it's got to be Grealish, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, yes. I look at the Villa team now, and, and you say that, but. I saw the development of really two years ago in terms of his, his physicality. We all know about his ability. But one thing was that, you know, people talk about saying Jack goes down too easy. Not being funny. He's hacked down, so why is he standing up for? I just don't, I just don't get people say that. I would say 95, 99% of the time, he's actually, he's actually bailed. Yeah, it's my point. But what you can see is, is someone who's physically, physically strong. He's, um, if you look at him there, the way he runs as quick uh, with the ball as he's without him, and his acceleration of the mark is, is exceptional. He's, 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 he's not a sterling in terms of, you know, pick the ball up and it's gone like that. But his ability uh, running with the ball, the way he manipulates the ball is fantastic. But, you know, everyone talks about the size of, 
Jack Greenish's cast, you know, they're massive as well, but that's, he, he, you know, if you look at his upper body strength as well, you know, he, he looks really lean, really strong, and that's really helped him develop as a footballer as well, because it's made him more, let's talk about, not talk about the physicality and the way he looks, but it has made him a made really resilient player. So look, I look at a player now, we could, we could play 90 minutes, we talked about there, play 90 minutes Saturday, 95 minutes Saturday, can play 95 minutes Tuesday, can play 95 minutes Saturday, and still be the best player and that's the only the accolade I can give him because of his performance as well because he's he's, 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 he's had a look you all know about his ability as well but he's added that to his armoury for, for, for sure I mean and, and then you talk about his fitness levels as well it's through the roof in terms of that people questioned as well you know, early doors as well. What does it offer you defensively as well? Because people go, you know, we don't Jack Bruce can do that side. Can he, can, you know, can he get back, you know, and, and help us pull back out? I mean, he's, he's proven that his, his ability to be able to, to run the 95 minutes as it is now, be fit strong, and getting whacked in. Trust me, when you get whacked, the amount of times he does, and still be able to get up and do it again, and do it continuously, week in, week out, you have to be physically strong and, and well conditioned. There we go. That, no, I feel like that, that's the point of the podcast to kind of just kind of dive deeper onto something we might not ever touch on, which is fitness. We we say, is someone fit or oh, they got an injury They're out four weeks? That's it. So now we've got the full story done. I can't thank you enough, Tony. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to AVFC Extra, an additional dose of Aston Villa content for you, brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast team. If you enjoyed the episode, please do get in touch with us, get involved in the comment sections, tweet us at Claret Blue Pod, or leave us a review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. We'll catch you again very soon with some more content. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.